Hi, everybody. It's Miriam Goldberg speaking, and I'd like to share with you the Monday message. Um, I recorded myself last night very, very late, so the Sunday message is up. It is on, and you can listen to it, again, by pressing one pound. So today is Gimel ER, and I'd like to start out with the Bitochum Tefillah, and then continue with the six times that missed I entreat you dearly, help all Yidin and among them me. I put my trust in none but you. I hope to no one but to you alone. My help will come from no one but you. Without your help, one cannot even step over the threshold of the door. Without your strength, one cannot even move. I rely on no one but you. Your mercy and kindness are without measure. We We depend on each and every moment and every step we take and every move we make when things are heaven for the difficult and also when they go well. I entreat you dearly, help me guard my eyes and properly weigh my speech. Let my heart be bad before you, might all my deeds be fitting and proper. So yesterday, rather last night, we spoke about idol worshipping, the Yalacha, and we explained that the Rambam said that originally during the days of Enosh, who was Adam Harishon's grandson, humanity made a very big mistake. And they had understood that since the galaxies were created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in essence, Hashem's servant, Kibiyachol, then most probably Hashem would want us to praise and to glorify them the same way a king of flesh and blood would want um, its subjects to bring praise and glory to the, to the subjects of the king. And so humanity erred over here by thinking that they needed to start worshipping the stars and the galaxies through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu conducts the world. And once they started with that mistake and began sacrificing, then they went against HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will. And this was, they did this wholeheartedly with the intention of Kivyachal thinking that they were fulfilling HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzon. So they were living a big mistake, but it all stems from, as the Rambam explains, from a mistake, from an error coming from I guess you would say a good place or a positive place, not a malicious, uh, not a malicious reason. However, throughout the generations, what happened was with the idol worshippers is that their ulterior motives began to replace the altruistic ones. So, if in the door of Enos in the generation of Enos, they really had those altruistic motives. Later on, what were the ulterior motives? So it's very interesting, and we're really not connected to this, but there are kohos of Tum'ah that have a lot of koach to bring down Shafa to the world. And Chazal teach us in Kohalesh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the same kohos HaTum'ah as he did for the kohos of Tov for the Kochos HaKedusha, and they balance each other out. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Bechira to man in order for man to acquire and attain Olam Haba through his Bechira, and therefore we have the Bechira. Are we going to connect to the good or are we going to connect to the bad? And so what happened was throughout the generations of these idol worshippers, they had certain things that they wanted to accomplish. So let's say, for example, there was no rain. So we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put Adam HaRishon to the test when there was no rain to see whether Adam HaRishon would daven. And so these idol worshippers, what they did was they tapped into what we call black magic, into Kohos Hatuma. And when they were able to tap into the Kohos Hatuma, they were actually able to attain 
what they were trying to achieve. So if they needed to attain rain, they were able to achieve that. If they needed to bring down Parnassah, sustenance, they were able to do that all through the Koho Satoma, all through Avodah Zara. So Avodah Zara, in essence, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created it in such a way that there was room for human error. There was room for mistake and there was room for this maliciousness. And obviously, if there was no room for human error, then it wouldn't be such a new time. And it wouldn't be one of the Yaharag Zalyavar. Don't forget that. Avodah Zara is Yaharag Zalyavar. So if it was something that was so easy Attain or not to transgress, and why would the Torah even have to command it? And we understand from here that throughout the generations, the previous generations, idol worship really became very popular because people were able to attain the shefa that they needed or they wanted in a very easy manner. It was the easy way out. It was instead of exercising their bechira choshes and really sweating in order to connects HaKadosh Baruch Hu in order to bring down the Shefa in a positive way, in the way that Hashem wants us to, by keeping his mitzvot and by connecting to him, they were able to take the cop-out route, right, the easy way out, and to worship idols and to actually see success. And this is really giving us an insight into Avram Avinu and his generation. So Avram Avinu, we know, preached against Avodah Zarah, and the gracious Rabbi Medris teaches us that Terach, Avram Avinu's father, had an idol store. And if you ever thought to yourself that here it is, Avram Avinu, the great, one of the greatest men who ever lived, the founder of Klal Yisrael, his father was such an imbecile. I mean, it doesn't make sense, right, to worship something that we know, you know, any three-year-old knows that uh, an idol can't walk and can't talk and has no power of its own. So so what was the story here, and why was everyone worshiping Avodah Zarah? So Avram Avinu, if we go back to the famous story that we know, when Avram Avinu took all the idols and broke them. And then a woman, one day when he was supposed to take over his, the store, Terach store, a woman walks in and she's looking around to buy an idol. And she says to Avram Avinu, who was the storekeeper, not such a great storekeeper, right? If he's, if he's uh, damaging all of his merchandise. And she says to him, what in the world is happening here? What, why is everything shattered and on the floor? So he says to her, well, the largest idol had uh, wanted food to sacrifice, and he ended up just destroying all the other idols. So this woman can't really understand what exactly was going on. And then Terach comes back to the store, and he says to Avram Avinu, well, what do you mean? And when Avram Avinu repeats the story to him, he says, but an idol can't destroy other idols. So what in the world is going on here? So Avram Avinu then poses the big question, so why do you worship these idols, right? And that's how we're, that's the story that we're familiar with. And let's make heads and tails of this because we know that Terach, if he was Avram Avinu's father, he had to have some seichel, and he, I'm sure that he was also some sort of a rational individual. So why did he worship this Avodazara, these idols, if he knew that they were powerless? So we have to understand what Avram Avinu's counter-argument was. And his argument wasn't that idolatry does not work. No, idolatry did work. Idolatry was the kohos of Avodah Zara, was the secret of black magic, and they were able to bring down koach. Humanity was able to bring down Shefan koach 
vis-a-vis Avram Avinu, in essence, was pointing out that the idols can't do anything on their own. They cannot cause the rain to come just the same way that they cannot fight with other idols. A human being can program them to provide rain by tapping into the secrets that Hashem created and sustains, but without programming, they are powerless. So Avraham Avinu, in essence, was messaging to the entire world and to Terach specifically at that point, is that a God, lowercase g, should not need programming. God with an uppercase, with a capital G, must be the source of truth, not something that can be manipulated to provide success. So I think that this gives us a huge insight and a glimpse and understanding into what Avodazara was, is that these people weren't closing their eyes and finding, following something totally blindlessly and without their seichel. No, Avodazara really worked when they programmed it. They programmed it the same way we know that Bilam Harasha had tremendous kohos. He had a kohos atuma, and he was able to tie Klai Yisrael down in the time so that according to Teva's laws, according to the Kochos that who gave the Ra, in essence, there was no way that Klai Yisrael would have ever been able to be redeemed from the time because they were connected, that he bound them with this black magic, this black sorcery to the Tzrayim in order to, to, make, to have them become slaves for eternity. HaKadosh Baruch Hu obviously overrode Teva and overrode that cloud that he put in Teva that that black magic that sorcery worked. And now we understand an even greater, that how great the redemption was. We have a, a greater understanding of Anivalo Malach, Anivalo Sarf, Anivalo Acher, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to redeem us because Alpi Teva, there was no way that Christ were being redeemed from its time. And so there is a concept of Kohosala. There is a concept of Koho Satuma, which Akadashakh put in the world, and he put it in the world in order for us to exercise our Bechira Chokshis. And so I'm going to stop over here, and I think that our takeaway from this is to try to think to ourselves where is it that I might be applying that, the Chas Vashom, Chas Vashom, maybe a Kochi Ve'osim Yadi. Try to really uh, exercise yourself with this introspection, with this thought of where is it that perhaps I'm not attributing the Kalachtakarishvok, but I'm attributing it to something else. And we do it all the time. And as we progress with this chapter, and I think it's really one of my favorite chapters because before you really gain an understanding of what this what the low Yelacha is, it's no concept. You can remain on the level of a three year old regarding the low Yelacha. No we know the Muna, but the low Yelacha there's a greater much greater deeper understanding regarding this low Yelacha. So I'm going to stop here, wishing everyone a wonderful day and a beautiful rest of the week. Kot.